Hello, Barry, and hello, everyone on Across the Pond. Man, it's been a long time. Dude, it's been... We actually skipped a week for the second time in our history um, just because life has been crazy on both ends of the pond. Uh, we've been battling against internet connections, Barry, but against uh, actual uh, power, electricity, all sorts of stuff has been just holding us from uh, from getting together and uh, catching up as always. How's it going, man? It's going well, Chad. It's so good to be back. But like you say, it does feel like a while since we did the last one. And as you intimated, we've both had kind of rough weeks, right? Yeah. We've both been like moving houses, trying to get all that sorted, moving things around, trying to fix um, internet stuff, like you say. And it's just been a, a rather wild couple of days. And so I feel like we can be a little bit rusty, Chad. It feels like it's been a long time since you're doing this. But for those of you watching on YouTube, Chad's got this very Joe Rogan-esque uh, aesthetic right now. So he's looking sharp on that side. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in this episode yeah you know me i was just way too i'm way too fussy barry uh when it comes to production <laughs> value and the last was it two episodes that we put out um where i've been using basically the little mic that sits on top of my camera um and you know it's been better than better than nothing but it, it certainly isn't at that level that that we need so um you know because all of my stuff is in a storage unit and my mic is at the back of the said storage unit um i i had to go and pick up something else and uh, what's really cool with this is it's literally it literally just plugs in with with usb um it's got an xlr input as well so if you do want to use it with the sound card you can um but uh what's nice is you can plug in get started, get set up. Um, and as you said, Barry, we're living this digital nomad life, um, or as I <laughs> like to call it, a digital noob life, because I'm clearly not getting it right. Yeah, definitely. We're both coming to you from different undisclosed locations tonight. So it's a very, very yeah. interesting episode. Um, and hopefully the audio, like you say, is sounding crispy and smooth on your side. But if you've been sticking with us and been missing us over the past few weeks, we're glad to be back. We're glad to to be in front of you today. And uh, whether you're watching or listening in real time or after the fact, there's loads to get into tonight, Chad. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get right into it. The week that was... As we start off with the week that was, Barry, uh, there was a, a great little shudder of thunder in the background there, uh, <laughs> making me really quite jealous uh, not to be in Johannesburg. You, you're on quite the storm right now. Yeah, there's one brewing as we speak, Chad. So if, if, you, if you start to hear chaos outside, that's just the typical Joburg thunderstorms that we all know and love. But hopefully it'll be short and sweet as they often are. So yeah, it's one of the best parts about Joburg, to be honest. There's nothing better than getting into bed and hearing that thunder, hearing the rain patter down, reading a good book before bed. It's, there's few better feelings in the world. Few better feelings, Barry, but um, you know the timing of this chaos outside, as you call it, couldn't have been better because we we starting off this episode with some some pretty chaotic news. Um, obviously, we always sort of start off with with stuff that's happened in the past week, and in this case, has been the progression of the last two weeks. Um, the escalation of the COVID situation in India has really just been quite staggering, honestly, uh, to, to see from from the other side of the world. Um, obviously, we, we've seen all countries have their their peaks, but this one just seems um you know it far outreaches anything we've seen before uh we, we're talking about three to four hundred thousand uh, new cases per day uh, in terms of deaths uh you know in terms of the, the actual stat of deaths we, we're looking at the, the seven day average sitting around three thousand four hundred a day um which is which is just nuts and I've, I've put two benchmarks there just for us uh on, on our respective sides of the pond um at the uk at its peak 
was uh, a number of about 1,250 a day. Uh, and SA at its peak was a number of 600 a day. So 3,400 a day, uh, just ridiculous. I mean, I've just brought up on screen now as well as we're talking, uh, just the, the, the kind of charts as, as things stand. Um, and, you know, just to, to have a look at the, the difference between India's first peak and, and where they are right now, um, it, it really is pretty scary stuff. Yeah, it really is, Chad. And, and like you say, it's it's the worst peak of any country in the world throughout this whole pandemic. It's kind of dwarfed everything, including Italy and Spain and the US and all the chaos that's happened around the world. And what makes it so devastating and so difficult is that we kind of thought we were past a lot of this, right? A lot of us are talking about vaccines and we've had these conversations about getting things under control. And all of a sudden you see India's numbers do what they're doing. Um, and it's really devastating. I think the, the turmoil in that country at the moment is, is really tough to watch. And, and every, everything I read about and I see the stories and I see the videos, it breaks my heart. It really does. Um, and what's also scary about this chat is that they think that these numbers are underreported. Yeah. Um, much like a lot of the third world, testing is not as readily available as you would like. And so a lot of people aren't getting tested at all. And also a lot of people aren't even getting to the hospitals because they're dying outside in the rural areas. So these numbers could be orders of magnitude bigger than what we realize just because the, the rural areas are not getting the attention they, that they should be getting. So scary numbers, Chad. Yeah, definitely. And the underreporting, I think, you know, that's been a problem in, in a lot of countries, uh, but but more specifically in India, where you, you kind of look at the low testing rates as, as, as one part, uh, but the other part is, is, like you say, all the rural areas and uh, a lot of the deaths happening in the rural areas uh, kind of just not making their way onto onto these stats and these these figures that we're showing in front of you right now. Um, so, you know, just in terms, of, uh, in terms of what this means, I mean, we've seen... A lot of countries around the world have, have been trying to protect uh, their respective uh, public health systems from, you know, not being able to cope. Um, I mean, that's in the UK certainly has been, you know, protect the NHS has been the front and center. And uh, yeah, what, what we've got in India is, is there is a real struggle for hospitals to keep up with this kind of, uh, you know, with, the, with this level of infection of this disease. Um, you've got shortage of beds and oxygen. And as a result, a lot of countries throughout the world kind of trying to step in as much as they can and send sort of oxygen supplies, send ventilators, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, just on these sheer volumes, it, it doesn't really seem like any of that's going to be enough. Yeah, it's really tough to see. I mean, what kind of brought it home to me was that I saw a video of this guy who had kind of emptied out this big kind of minibus taxi and it turned it into a mobile oxygen type lab sitting outside okay. one of the hospitals. And basically, I don't know how he got this, but he got some sort of oxygen tank and he was kind of giving people two or three breaths of oxygen. And they were just standing in a line outside this guy's car to try and get a little bit of respite while they were trying to get into the hospitals. So the whole health system is completely overwhelmed. Um, it isn't, I mean, in, India's public health system wasn't great to start with. And these numbers are just not, they're not feasible, right? So even in your major cities like Delhi and whatnot, these hospitals are getting overrun, which is to say nothing about the, the second and third tier cities that don't have the resources that Delhi and Mumbai and these places do. Um, and so really, really difficult to see. The videos are terrifying. And also what's also scary, Chad, is that there's all these talks of these new variants that are coming up. Yeah. And the question is like, with these new variants, like how much of the vaccine, or the vaccines we've already developed, are they going to be helpful? Are they actually going to help in this in these cases? And and what are they going to be able to do to kind of manage the strain? Like it's it's hard right now to go into a full lockdown. I think that the, they've yeah. been like reluctant to do so for economic reasons and trying to keep things alive, to keep people fed and keep people working. 
But when you're having these sorts of numbers, like what are you supposed to do? How do you manage things and get them under control? It's all very well for the US and them to send ventilators across, but you, yep. need, you need way more than just ventilators. Definitely. You need a yep. whole public health system response, right? Which is tough. It is. Uh, and your, your point there, uh, Barry, just in terms of, uh, you know, the, the lockdown and being reluctant uh, to, to impose a lockdown, the Prime Minister has been under quite a bit of scrutiny for, for, you know, not actually imposing that national lockdown. There's been a lot of calls for it. Um, but in these sort of third world countries, it really is tough um, to, you know, to go to that, that length um, where, you know, the, the, the other hand of that is, is not having this economic activity means a lot of families are, are going to starve. Um, so, you know, it, it really is quite a, a, a tricky act to, to sort of juggle. That, that variant as well, I think, is, is really concerning. Um, I saw some news as well about Australia. I don't know if you've heard about it, Barry. Um, just completely banning any Australians who are currently in India uh, from, from getting back home. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it really is, is quite, a, quite a concerning one uh, when, you, when you look at the, the variant and uh, I guess all of the, the concerns around it. Yeah, it's a big reminder to us that we cannot get complacent about this thing. Like this thing is not over, right? And these variants are going to continue to come out. And, and the question is, how do we manage them going forward? Um, and like you say, Australia, one of those places are taking a very hard line. I kind of realized because they, they canceled the IPL and the Australian cricketers couldn't even yep. go home because they, they were playing in India. Um, and so I think that countries around the world are going to be watching this very, very closely and, and thinking very carefully about how do they deal with these things. But my, my gut feel, Chad, is that, and I think it, the science backs it up, is that we're going to see more of these variants going forward. Definitely. Like this COVID thing is, is not done. And so we have to get into our heads that even though even though I'm vaccinated, even though things are seem to be a bit better and we're getting back to real life we have to be vigilant and we have to take seriously any of these concerns that come out uh, i think that i was surprised by this india thing because in my mind it was over chad in my mind we got past the worst of the worst and things were getting better right but it's just a, a really really stubborn uh, virus and, and and that's what viruses do um and so yeah really sad to see i hope they can figure out something i hope they can get get some get some um, help in that in that respect um but also the, the sad thing is that India are making a lot of the vaccines, right? Yeah. Like a large portion yep. of the vaccines are being made in India. I know a lot of yeah. the ones that we bought here in South Africa come from India. Um, and the sad irony is that they've been making for everyone else and now they don't have enough for themselves, right? Which is really sad to see. And so I believe they've stopped all exports and they're kind of keeping yep. them all for themselves, which I understand. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, Chad. It's really, really tough. Yeah, I, that, that was my first thing as well. It was really ironic um, that, yeah, like you said, they, they're kind of churning out crazy production quantities for the rest of the world um, and and yet they're facing a shortage themselves so uh, you know I, I think certainly on the um, you know humanitarian front holding back those vaccines and blocking the, the exports uh, feels like the right thing to do when you when you've got these kind of numbers um, but you know in terms of the, the contractual obligations that's always going to be an interesting one to see uh, how all of that stuff pans out uh, but hopefully the rest of the world will be understanding on this because um, it certainly is quite a crazy situation and and i hope that you know that that graph is at its peak it does look to be easing off a little bit uh, over the last couple of days so it's, i hope that is the case um because it's it's crazy high right now so yeah we'll we'll certainly we'll certainly monitor that as things go on barry tell us some news on your side uh in in terms of covid and the covid response from a south african perspective 
Sure. So this is a quick update on a story we covered in our last episode, talking about the Johnson Johnson vaccine. Now, if you remember, Chad, there were some concerns about blood clots from the from the, from the guys in the U.S. Yeah. and the U.S. kind of paused their J and J out. Uh, deployment for a while and South Africa kind of followed suit and just said cool we're going to wait to find out what's going on with these six or seven patients who had experienced blood clots um, and there's it's now kind of they've they've done whatever research they were going to do and they've decided cool it's it's worth going back to it so the J&J is back they've resumed um, deploying those vaccines again not as fast as we would like it's still super mm. slow but at least they're getting back out there and the exciting news on this front is that our first batch of the Pfizer vaccines is now in the country so I think that okay. was a couple of millions. So that was really, really good to see. And so it's likely that the Johnson Johnson is kind of going to be deprioritized and the Pfizer vaccines have become the, the main one that's been given out. Um, and so, yeah, it's really good news for us. I hope that we start to see those vaccines going out beyond the healthcare workers in time. And uh, there's lots of talks about the various phases and starting with people with comorbidities and over a certain age and whatnot. But what I found interesting, Chad, was that I got, a, I got an email from Discovery Health now, for those who don't know, Discovery is probably the biggest medical aid provider here in the country, and I'm on their medical aid. And basically, their email was a very detailed and very passionate kind of um, explanation of what Discovery are doing to procure the vaccines for people on their medical aid and getting them into their arms. So basically, if you're a Discovery member, it sounds like they're going to go above and beyond to try and get you the vaccine earlier than you would have if you had to go through okay. the government kind of deployment thing. So from the sounds of it, um, and, and basically talking to some of the healthcare professionals that I know in my friend group, for example, I might actually get the vaccine earlier than I realized because I'm with Discovery. Um, and so the question is, there's ethical questions here to like how this should be done. Like should Discovery be able to kind of um, vaccinate younger people before all of our older people are vaccinated, for example, um, and how that's all going to work is, is still yet to be seen. But the email was very convincing and persuasive, Chad. So I, I'm a little bit more optimistic that I will get my vaccine before 2024, which is good. Okay. Yeah, that is good to see. I mean, you know, one of the one of the concerns about the vaccine and, and the procurement thereof is the price of it, I guess, in South Africa and the government's ability to, to fund uh, all of those purchases. So for me, you know, it does make sense that private, a private provider can kind of uh, get in there, get its own orders in. Uh, and let's not forget that some of the vaccines are, are currently being sold at cost. Uh, you know, some of the companies are not actually making any money on these vaccines just yet. Um, so, you know, some of those costs aren't actually that, that crazy expensive. Just in terms of the uh, kind of holding back and being comfortable with using the vaccine because of the blood clots, uh, there was some news today actually coming out of the UK as well, Barry, um, on on the story about the the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and the blood clots uh, that we've also seen this side, uh, and basically the the government's now taken the stance that anyone under the age of forty actually, so previously it was under the age of thirty, um, now it's forty will be offered an alternative uh, to the Oxford AstraZeneca. So since they had the press briefing, uh, which was, you know, the European Health Commission and uh, the UK as well, they kind of did their briefings in, in tandem. Um, effectively, there's been now a whole, a whole lot more cases. Uh, and it seems like there is a correlation between, uh, you know, younger sort of age groups. So they've, they've taken that stance to offer alternatives, um, which, which is good as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that the more the merrier, right? So if you can find alternatives and it's, it's easily available, then then for sure do it. And I, I don't think there's any there's any need to kind of 
uh, tittletale between the two. Like obviously, there's going to be different efficacy rates and different kind of effects. But as long as you, as long as you, you're getting whatever you have into your into your arms of, of your your country, that's all good. Chad, do you have any idea when yours is coming? Have you heard anything on your side, or is it still still a while away? No, I suspect it will be still a while away. So the the plan at the moment uh, is for the government to get uh, all adults vaccinated by the end of July, I believe. Um, so I think it'll still be a little while before I before I get there. Currently, still in that under thirty age group. Um, so you know, and no pre existing health conditions. So it'll certainly, I think, take a little while to get to me. Back of the queue. Back, <laughs> Back of the, of the queue. queue. <laughs> but d- depending on where you live, and uh, you know, depending on the vaccination centres around you, I, I did have a friend of mine who this past week. Uh, you know, sits in the above 30 age group, but still sort of early 30s, uh, having an SMS to say, we've got some extra, uh, you know, they obviously have expiry dates. So um, come along, uh, you know, you, you can you can you can get it. So who knows, uh, I guess it all depends on on supply and demand. Um, but I still think it'll be a little while yet. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, I, I'm for sure very keen to get it um, as quickly as possible. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, the, the UK is certainly far outstripping us here over here, South Africa. We we we're still we're still doing it, taking our time, Chad. We're taking our time. <laughs> yeah. The one other interesting uh, development, which I think we must just briefly chat about, um, is that just before our call, there was a, a daily briefing um, with the I think transport minister. I didn't actually tune in. Um, Grant Shapps, and effectively they were kind of un- unveiling the the transport, uh, the horizon for for travel um, in in the UK, international travel, and basically the the seventeenth of May is now that date where that ban will lift, and you can actually travel for for leisure purposes too. So there's a, a list of green list countries, uh, those that you can go to without quarantining. But the interesting thing is that a lot of those green list countries are still requiring UK. Uh, travelers to quarantine on their sites. Although we're saying you don't have to quarantine on return, um, a lot of them are saying you need to quarantine on on arrival. And uh, the other interesting thing, Barry, is, you know, kind of which dovetails nicely with the vaccine discussion, is that these countries as well, when you when you return back to the UK, uh, you need to still get tested, even if you've had your two jabs. So. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, finding that quite interesting because we, we thought this would be, uh, you know, kind of an alternative or you'd, you'd have a, a travel passport almost. But it seems like those PCR tests are, are not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a reminder, Chad, that we are not done yet with yeah. the, the tickling our brain with those swabs or any of that stuff. All of that's still going to be in action for a long time to come. And even things like masks and whatnot, I think they're going to last a lot longer mm. than people realize yeah. because there's going to be excess caution na- naturally because of what we've been through in the last kind of 12 to 14 months. Um, it really has been a traumatic period and it, Governments around the world are going to do whatever they can within like the realm of reasonability to protect yeah. against all these things. So I, I can imagine that international travel is still going to take a while to kind of get back to where it was. And if you're expecting to go on a holiday, you better have that two weeks extra for quarantine because it's going to be it's going to be yeah. part of it in some way. Whether it's on the way back, whether it's on the way there, whatever the story is, it's not going to be as simple as it used to be for 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 a while. Mm. 
yeah, the, those extra two weeks and that extra 150 pounds uh, for that PCR test. Uh, but I mean, at least <laughs> <laughs> it's better than, you know, the current scheme, which, which has the hotel quarantine and that's, you know, sure. north of 1,800 pounds. So um, I, I still think a lot of people will be quite keen on the prospect of booking some sort of holiday, even though it might not have been the same way as it was in the past. Um Cool. I think that's our COVID briefing uh, for the last two weeks. <laughs> Not much more to discuss. Obviously, there's, there's loads to discuss, but I think we'll, we'll kind of pin it over there and uh, keep talking on this developing story. We've been chatting more and more about every single week. Uh, probably a lot of our listeners have zero interest in this, um, although <laughs> they, they do listen to podcasts. So, you know, potentially you've got a little bit of an interest. Um, but it was a, a really interesting story that, that you put here, Barry, and that is Facebook finally making the push into audio uh, to, to take on Clubhouse. Clubhouse, we've been talking about it uh, over the last few months. And uh, there's, there's, there's been a few kind of features in this rollout, in this announcement from Facebook, Barry. So why don't you take us through a couple of them? Because uh, I found a lot of them very interesting, especially um, especially the last. Yeah, so I think it, it, it's hard to report on these things because a lot of it is still like in the early stages. Yeah. So we haven't seen any of it in practice yet. We don't exactly know what's going to happen. But it's been very clear that Facebook has been working on stuff. Uh, I remember when when Mark Zuckerberg was first getting onto Clubhouse, everyone was like, oh boy, he's doing his research. <laughs> he's, he's getting into Clubhouse. Yeah. He's learning about the discussion, seeing how it all works so they can put it into Facebook. And so it was very much expected. We've seen Twitter and a thousand other companies do the same thing, trying to compete. And so Facebook announced basically three separate audio kind of products, which are going to go on top of their platform. Platform, which is going to make it even more bulky. So I don't know how you feel about that, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, the first one is a direct copy of Clubhouse. It's that same old thing, live audio rooms, trying to do exactly what Twitter are doing with Twitter spaces and, yep. and everyone else is trying to copy the Clubhouse formula and uh, basically allowing that kind of drop-in feel of being able to Jump into a room whenever you whenever you want, and when the room is done, the audio disappears. Um, and so, taking that exact Clubhouse feature and putting it onto Facebook. So that's the first one. Not much to say in this respect, Chad. I, I don't know how many people are going to dive into this. Certainly, in our generation, we're not spending time on Facebook like we used to spend, right? Like I think it's it's really aged up when it comes to the demographics. And yeah. so, I, I don't know if we're going to see like mass adoption of this sort of thing um, going forward. But it'll be interesting to see how they do it, and if there's any significant changes, or if this is going to be a direct 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 copy for copy yeah i'm, I'm intrigued to see that uh, i'm intrigued to see where they're going to fit it in their app where on earth is there's no space left barry huh? <laughs> how many how many pages are you gonna have to go through um oh, to, to finally get there I, I almost feel like there needs to be a landing page when you open your app and you can kind of say okay cool which one am i driving today am i going to groups am i going to my news feed if that <laughs> even exists anymore uh, am I going to Marketplace? Am I going to Pages? Am I going to uh, the new audio section as well? Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. I don't know where it's all going to be uh, squeezed in, but I, ha- I have no doubt it's going to be slick and well integrated. Um, I mean, we, we're just looking at a, a basic mock-up here on their website. They kind of announced uh, in tandem with, with this announcement a, a few little images of what it might look like. Um, and yeah, it, it certainly looks like it'll it'll be slick uh, and an enjoyable experience, I guess, which which is always important. Um, so that's the first one, live audio rooms. Uh, on the other two, have you have you heard of these? Uh, kind of know anything about them? 
I, not not that much, Joe. Like as I say, it's been very early days, and it's hard to get a, get a sense of what they're trying to do. The second one is yep. called Sound Bites, yep. and as far as I understand, it's 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 almost like a, a voice note. If you think yep. about it, what's what's a voice note? But you're sharing it publicly as well. You're not just sending it to one person. So Chad, me and you were chatting via voice note this morning, and so we potentially people could be recording those sorts of pieces of content, just audio, and posting it on on the, on their feed. So Twitter, I've got this already. So on Twitter, if you want to make a tweet, you can make an audio tweet. We're just records a little 20 second piece and it's kind of similar to what anchor originally was trying to do with these very bite-sized pieces so i can imagine content creators with an idea just talking off the cuff for two or three minutes and posting that as a as a as a, as a post on their feed right. rather than writing it out right so that's what sound bites is um i think it's interesting i think audio still has a lot of room to grow i, I certainly find myself listening to a lot more audio than i do video just because you can do it while you're doing other stuff like we chatted yeah, about in the yeah. past um, and so I think it's an interesting kind of concept I, I don't know exactly how it's going to work in the feed like you say I think it's too busy already I don't know how they keep adding things <laughs> to this feed it's just, it gets so bulky and, and so like it's annoying. Like when I when I try and go yeah. and post this stuff on Facebook on our Facebook page, Chad, I'm annoyed by the whole experience <laughs> of Facebook pages because there are ten thousand different things on that thing, um, and it takes you fourteen clicks just to post something. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. So that that sound bites thing sounds really interesting. I mean, on the Twitter feature, because I'm not as much of a, a Twitter user as you are, Barry. Uh, how's the take up been on that? Has it been only for content creators? Uh, do, you, do you find any interesting thought provoking stuff? I mean, you know, a lot of the appeal of, of Twitter is text. So uh, for me, it was very interesting that they even went into that at all. Um, and, I, you know, I guess it, it's less of a kind of on the go whenever you want to just get a, uh, you know, a dose of some thought provoking uh, material you you have to be strapped in you've got your earphones all tuned in uh, <laughs> and and kind of able to you know i guess listen to varying levels of speakers um because you know not everyone is is really great at presenting speech either yeah, so Chad, I don't know if it's because of the people I follow, but I haven't seen one of these in weeks. <laughs> so not even one on my feed. Right. So I don't think there's been any take up. I don't think it's really worked. In in the first week or two, because of the novelty, I saw quite a few people were testing it out and trying it. But like you say, Twitter is text. The whole point of Twitter is this, the, these very, very short text pieces. So it actually makes more sense on Facebook, like with Facebook Watch and all these platforms. Like It is more of that sort of platform. So maybe it's got a better chance than it did on Twitter. Um, but if you just look at the Twitter f uh, f attraction, there was there was none to speak of, really. Okay, very interesting. Uh, I I don't think Facebook's going to have much, uh, you know, too much of a different traction. I mean, it is a different platform. I guess Facebook is more for family and friends, it feels, and less of a public space, whereas Twitter is very public. Um, you know, of course, you get your pages and stuff, which, you, which you'll probably be able to do the same thing with on Facebook. Uh, but, you know, whether you have people just kind of updating their just life situation or, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see um, how this works because with video and the ability to share video on Facebook, um, I, I don't even see a lot of people doing that authentically sharing things, uh, you know, personal things on video. So whether it'll, it'll change at all uh, on, on this audio soundbite offering, I'm not too sure. The third thing that, that Facebook is adding, Barry, and I guess this is kind of a cool thing. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you talk us through that? 
Oh, Chad, believe it or not, it's this, this thing called a podcast. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's a, it's this really cool new development in the world of media. Yes, Facebook are adding podcasts to their platform. Uh, we chatted about it a lot in the past, talking about how Spotify are trying to get their hands on Apple's on Apple's pie. Apple has been kind of the, the leader in podcast distribution for as long as it's been around. And the last year or two, Spotify have been throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at, at the platform. It's, it's very clear now that podcasting is a huge medium and that yep. it really is a it, it, it's 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 the growth is still to come. Like this thing is still relatively new, um, and so everyone is trying to get in on it. And if there's anything that Mark Zuckerberg likes to do, is jump on trends. And so you'll be able to kind of host your podcast, I believe, through the flat through the Facebook platform, cool. and kind of get all the distribution benefits, get added to your, like added to your page and all that stuff, and start to collect subscribers for your podcast right cool. in the app. Um, and so that makes a lot of sense to me. I think it, it's it's well overdue. It makes it makes a lot more sense if they want to control that media. Um, and I'm just interested to see the the implementation, Chad, because again, we've like mm. it's it's yet another feature that's going to go onto this page. Um, and so I I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that they might be able to just do something <laughs> cool with it, uh, but I'm not going to hold my breath uh, just yet. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic too. I think it I think it makes absolute sense, like you say, Barry, the, the ability to have your listeners comment uh, and and actually get yeah get that feedback. That's the one thing that we've felt. On, on across the pond we've really struggled with it is getting that feedback from listeners on ep- like specific episodes where you know you'll you'll be able to have a bit of engagement I guess just on your general uh, following and uh, specific posts you put out uh, but on your actual content the actual thing that you are you, you know the reason you're here uh, I think it would be really really cool to have some of our listeners be able to go in and drop a comment um, you know let us know what they're thinking so I, 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 I think it does make sense I, I, I think it, it definitely has a place um, but it's all down to that integration gain as we always say so uh, we'll have to see once it does come out now Barry the, the thing that I found interesting about this and, and about this uh, I guess this development in, in the world this move into audio and live audio uh, is this last one over here and that is a blog or kind of thread uh, forum forum I think is the right word uh, <laughs> called Reddit uh, which we obviously spoke about not too long ago uh, talking about GameStop to the moon um, Reddit is now deciding well they're going to pivot quite a bit I think uh, and they're also putting a kind of audio solution out which they're calling Reddit Talk what do you think about that? I think it's really interesting, Chad. I think you're underselling Reddit a bit in the way you describe <laughs> them. They are one of the top 10 websites in the world. Yeah, they are okay. a huge, huge <laughs> deal. And I, I, they are a forum, but they're also so much yeah. more than that. I think there's no one that builds better communities than Reddit. Some of the subreddit communities that are available in every niche you can imagine are full of diehard supporters who like love the platform. And it's one of those platforms where you either spend like – four hours a day on it or you don't use it. It's, there's very little in between, right? <laughs> and so that's what I think makes this interesting is that for very, very niche audiences where you've got this very specific community that's been built up, um, I think the Reddit audio could be really interesting for those sorts of communities. And so I think that is where they're going to have their potential advantage, Chad. I don't think you'll see like a big Joe Rogan mass market podcast doing really well on Reddit. Where yeah. I think you'll find success is some tiny little gardening club that's got a thousand members on its subreddit that's yeah. very, very niche and very specific to something random and, and weird. 
a podcast on specifically on that topic to target towards those people on the platform they're really spending a lot of time on makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. Um, and so I haven't seen the implementation. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like or how they're going to do it. But I'm a big fan of Reddit and the way they've built their products and the way they kind of the way they think about business. And so I'm curious to see this, Chad, and I'm quite excited about it, actually. I think they are, they might be the ones to do something really unique and really special with um, the kind of generic podcasting platform. Isn't it interesting to you, though, that we see all this development in the space of a couple of months. We have one kind of new innovator clubhouse come out, and all of a sudden, everyone's playing catch-up. All of a sudden, everyone wants to get in this really exciting new space. Uh, but the space has been here for for a long time. We've we've seen you know podcasts. We've seen kind of live streaming uh, as a medium in terms of gaming, uh, and uh, you know a lot of other kind of uh, live stream plat scenarios, shall I say? Um, but all of a sudden, everyone's keen to get involved. Uh, I think that's fascinating. All in the space of literally a couple of months. Yeah, it's, it's a natural life cycle of how these things work, Chad. If you go to any business school, you get an MBA, they'll teach you this product life cycle. You've got the early adopters right at the beginning who kind of get involved because they enjoy the novelty of it. And at the beginning, it's got no use cases. No one really, no one thinks it's a thing. Everyone thinks it's a weird idea. And you get to sort of, so, sort of getting into mass market adoption. And by the time you get to where it's become cool, then everyone is diving in, Chad. And yep. like you say, all of a sudden, every company around around uh, around the world is trying to get in on this game. But what will happen is that after massive mass market adoption, when it starts to mature as a product, 90% of these players will fall away, right? So if we, yep. we come back to this in two or three years' time, Chad. 90% of these, these, these guys are not going to be around. And so the question is like, which one is going to be around? Which is going to be the winner out <laughs> yeah. of all these things? Um, and if you had that, if you had that answer, Chad, you could uh, bet your money with buying some shares and make some good money. So if if, if if anyone's got a crystal ball out there, now's the time. Now's the time. Yeah, now's the time indeed. Um, very interesting. Lots of lots of exciting developments. Um, I also think it's cool for us as users to have so many more options. Uh, and audio, what a great medium uh, as a whole. Uh, another great medium, Barry, something that we spend a lot of time in during lockdown is is video and uh, and Netflix specifically, uh, the powerful Netflix, uh, making its way into the Oscars. Uh, we spoke about one of our favorite documentaries of last year, My Octopus Teacher, and and we we speak about how how amazing we both found it on on a visual level on a uh, you know, just I guess storyline level. Uh, it, it felt it, it kind of hit all the feels. Um, you know, it really kind of got us through lockdown, I guess. And uh, you know, getting away with an Oscar. Absolutely amazing, Chad. And like you say, I was very we were very invested in this movie because we had talked about it so much. And I, I never thought I was going to cry watching an Octopus movie, but I did. So that's how powerful and emotional it actually was. <laughs> uh, and it was really cool to see. And also the South African connection, which, which, which you didn't mention, yeah. like this idea that it was down in Cape Town and this very much this one lonely South African man who put this whole thing together, right? And managed to pull off an absolutely insane documentary. And so the fact that it won the Oscar for Best Documentary was super cool to see. I, I Certainly was waving my South African flag with pride. Cool. Very, very happy to see it. Um, and yeah, it's it's one of those ones. If you haven't seen it yet and you've heard us talking about it time and time again, please go and do yourself a favor. Definitely. If winning the Oscar is not enough for you, then I don't know what's going to convince you, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not a whole lot more to say on it. I mean, we, we spent almost a full episode talking about it the last time. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely go and check it out if you haven't. Um, but, you know, just the, the, the kind of discussions that come uh 
you know, from this, Barry, is I guess that the power of Netflix and being able to command the sort of audiences that it has, um, how My Octopus Teacher literally lands itself there uh, with, with an Oscar, the, the kind of the ability to, to spread word of mouth. I mean, in lockdowns, one of the things we've been speaking about just because we've, we've not really had much else going on in our lives is what we've been watching and the content we've been consuming. And uh, nine out of 10 conversations I have with people surround uh, what are you watching on Netflix? What's good to see? Because uh, we've all got this uh, subscription. We're all trying to get more from this subscription. Uh, and I guess with all of those eyeballs and and having that make big power, this documentary was able to 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 land it land itself there. Don't you think that's fascinating? And uh, I mean, in in previous years, I, I think it would have really struggled to, to win sort of best documentary. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the, the way I think about it, Chad, is that they've thrown so much money, like Netflix have thrown so much money into producing content, into buying content, into getting like th- curating the world's best stuff on Netflix. Like it really is an incredible platform and has so much amazing stuff there. And yeah. I think it's it's a matter of they spend billions and billions of dollars on this content, knowing that 90% of the shows are not going to be a hit. 95% yeah. are not going to even be on the radar right but but the only way to get to those hits so apps the game of thrones the the the, the life-changing series the only way to do that is to have lots of shots have lots of have lots of um different opportunities and different and try a bunch of times um and so netflix what they've done really well is they've got this ginormous catalog and they just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks yeah. If if you had come to me, Chad, with this idea about this film of an octopus, and <laughs> told me it was going to win, it was going to win an Oscar with one dude mm-hmm. like filming one octopus, I mean, I would have told you you were crazy, right? And but Definitely. it's 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 this ability to get onto Netflix and get your your work in front of millions of people and let them decide as to what is really popular, and that is special. And so I think the power is certainly in the hands of Netflix. These poor movie studios, these poor cinema mm. chains are in big, big trouble. Because one of the other movies that that, that won, Chad, was um, an animated movie called Soul, which yes. was a Jamie Foxx movie. And that really yep. did incredibly well. And we chatted about that. It went straight to Disney+. Plus. It didn't go anywhere yep. near yep. a cinema. And of course, it's because yep. of COVID. But it's just it's a sign of the times, Chad, is that these cinemas are not going to survive going forward because these streaming platforms are becoming way too powerful. Yeah, I completely agree. Have you seen Soul? I mean, I was going to get to it, Barry. It was part. It was certainly part of what I wanted to discuss today. Um, have you seen Soul? Chad, I haven't, and I, I I know it's terrible. I need to see it. I've been dying to see it, but I haven't got around to it yet. It's so good, Barry. I actually, um, I, my Disney Plus subscription had run out, and uh, I was I was looking through. You had the Oscars here. I was like, okay, let's have a look. Let's see, you know, because I was quite surprised. Obviously, not a lot of stuff was released last year. So I was quite intrigued really to see um, what stuff was was nominated more than anything else. Um, and to see Soul, I think it won an award for, for the music score. I, I might be, uh, I stand to be corrected. But to see that there, it, it certainly caught my eye. And uh, straight after watching the trailer, I had to I had to download uh, Disney Plus again and uh, get the subscription. Let's try the again. <laughs> subscription going. Um, what a movie, Barry! What an absolute movie. the The animation has gone so far in the last couple of years. I cannot believe it. Um, obviously, I you know I'm I'm kind of in an Airbnb. Uh, watching on a not a 4K TV, but even so, the the visuals are just absolutely remarkable. Um, 
it, it really is an exciting space. And uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it just in terms of the storyline as well. Um, th- this idea that, you know, you kind of, before you, you, you are brought onto the earth, your soul uh, goes through this kind of, um, what's the word, like boot camp almost to discover <laughs> what, what your things are going to be, what your character traits are going to be, all of that kind of stuff. And that all, you know, sits inside of you. And so uh, to, to see the story, um, with with so many other little uh, side aspects as well, and and of course some great jazz, um, which is which is which is always great, and and we we do love a bit of good jazz, was was really satisfying to watch. Um, so I highly recommend you you throw that high up onto your list, Barry. That's really cool, Chad. I, I I've heard only good things about it, and I'm dying to see it. Another kind of groundbreaking moment is that it was the first Disney animated film that was. The star was a black person, which also okay. was a big deal for culture. Yeah. Um, and Definitely. so if you think of all the big, the huge Disney Pixar films, um, obviously they are iconic and they are kind of the, the canon of animation. Um, and like you said, there's a reason that they've done so well. And so it was yeah. super cool to see Jamie Foxx getting to, to voice the character. And no one better, in my opinion. I, I love Jamie Foxx. He is such a talented man. Um, his, his, his musicianship, his acting, his voice acting is absolutely superb. And yep. so I need to get my, my, my A to G, Chad. I need to figure it out <laughs> and find myself a Disney Plus subscription and get to see Soul before uh, Too Late. Jamie Foxx, we had some other great voices in there too. Um, but but yeah, just just a good, a great um, you know movie all around. So definitely recommend you watch it. Uh, while we're on this Oscars, Barry, one other thing I wanted to talk about is, is just the, the appetite of viewers to tune in uh, to an awards ceremony. I, I think, you know, the, the level of prestige kind of just feels to me like it, it can't be replicated in a virtual setting. I mean, we've spoken about it before uh, in a limited sense uh, with competitions like The Voice and, you know, trying to get audiences, trying to get that, re, re, you know, trying to reproduce that feeling. Um, but but it definitely feels to me like uh, the appetite for award ceremonies is is dropping, uh, you know, second to none. We, we, we In terms of the actual ratings that they received on uh, on these these oscars um the previous year had a rating of 23.6 million and this year kind of almost like less than half that barry and that is 10.4 million uh and you've also got to keep this into context uh to to looking back on on big years with with big releases the titanic um which was released in 1998 uh that won 11 oscars ratings there were 57 million so we're looking at a, a measly 10.4 million, uh, and and I'm not surprised by that to be honest. I I kind of it wasn't a, an event in my calendar, nothing I was going to stay up for. Um, what do you think about that award ceremonies in a virtual setting? Yeah, I don't even think the obviously the virtual plays a role, but I don't think that's the reason that these this is right. this downward trend is happening. I think the reason is personally is that. In the past, you relied on those gatekeepers to let you know what you should be watching, right? So people right. would go and watch the Oscars to figure out, cool, what movies should I be should I be looking into? In today's world, with the algorithms and kind of the, yeah. the, the choice that we now have, you can go and do your own niche kind of viewing habits and just watch what you like. You don't have to listen to a mainstream gatekeeper in the sense of an academy to say, cool, these are the best movies for this year. And so with all of us, like... 
the mass market movies aren't working as much as they used to because people need to be making movies for smaller audiences in a yeah. sense or for audiences that care about certain things. Um, and so I think we've seen it in music, we've seen it in, in, in text, and now we're seeing it in, in, in film as well, is that these kind of centralized platforms that are trying to tell you what is a good movie and what isn't a good movie just don't matter as much as they mm. used to matter um, yeah. because you've got so much more choice. You've got When you go to Netflix, you've got 10,000 movies <laughs> to choose from. You don't have the, the, the 12 at the cinema to choose from in a sense. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think this is a trend we continue to see, Chad. I think the days of... Obviously, it's still going to be a status thing and people are still going to want to win them for the nostalgia and kind of sure. the, the the whole show of the show of it is still is kind of the, the, the place to be for, for actors. But from, from my perspective, I'm more than happy just to wake up the next morning and read the results. I don't have to watch yeah. the thing, you know? I fully agree. Uh, I, I feel exactly the same way. But I, I do think it's a very interesting um, kind of uh, transition that we're seeing. Uh, which which naturally will happen in tandem with uh, moving to online streaming services. Uh, and like you say, b- being able to kind of decide yourself on, on, on what to watch, uh, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Barry, let's then move on. Stuff I found interesting. Chad, I'm so excited about this. I don't know if you follow <laughs> this at all, but it is one of the greatest internet stories I think I've ever come across. And it's known affectionately as the Josh fight, right? <laughs> so what happened was, Chad, I don't know if you, I, I think everyone's had this experience. You go into your Facebook and you get added to these scam groups. Yes, with, Like this group message with like absolute randoms and people are either trying to scam you, trying to fish you, yep. trying to whatever. And you end up deleting all those groups because they're just annoying, right? Well, someone on Facebook, a guy by the name of Josh, believe it or not, <laughs> decided that he was going to go into Facebook and invite every single Josh that he could find around <laughs> the world into this Facebook group. So he ends up with this group of, I don't know how many thousand Joshes, but like gazillions of Joshes. And so you just see the list of the names. It goes, Josh, 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 Josh. Absolutely amazing. And he writes a message, Chad. He says, in one year's time, he gives a date, he gives a time, and he gives a coordinate. He says, there's going to be a Josh fight. And the winner of the fight, the one who's left standing, the last one standing, gets to keep the name Josh, and everyone else has to change their name. They've got to decide who the real Josh is. So it's one of these memes. It's one of these things that it looks really funny. I'm sure you got a good laugh when you kind of open the message if you're a Josh. But Chad, it actually happened. <laughs> the day actually arrived and hundreds of Joshes turned up to these coordinates <laughs> to have this noodle fight. And for oh, the next man. hour or two, they were fighting each other with these noodles, um, trying to figure out who's going to be the, 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 the last standing Josh. And uh, Chad, I'm very happy to say is that... Um, <laughs> The final Josh that was decided was none other than none other than five-year-old Josh, who got given a crown, and he he's now the, the the only person who can be called Josh. So if you're a Josh right now, you've got to change your name, Chad. <laughs> just a crazy story. I mean, I love this story. I, lo- I love this. This is such a such a cool kind of mood boosting uh, thing to see. Uh, we've all, like you said, we've all been in that place where you're in that random group and you get all these messages. I, I just I just thought it was hilarious that people actually turned up at this location um and we're just showing flicking some visuals across the screen right now um i just wonder how how it was moderated barry how how was it filtered (laughs) down how are all of these joshes filtered down until the reigning champion um you know gets to gets to keep his crown uh and his crown i mean to me looks to be a burger king (laughs) 
crown, <laughs> which I think is also apt for a five-year-old, um, who, who is the one and only Josh uh, who is allowed to reign the earth, Barry. Indeed. So I believe it was to the death. I believe everyone else uh, was stabbed by the noodles. So I think it was a fight to the death. And right. like good old, good old five-year-old Josh, like you say, comes out with the Burger King crown as, and is the one true Josh. Um, and it. so a really, really heartwarming story. This is why I love the internet, Chad. It's, it's stories yeah. like this that remind me how wonderful the internet is. And for all of its ills, for all of its chaos, for all of the, the, the drama that it brings, it gives you these moments of absolute joy. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Well, thanks for thanks for bringing it up, Barry. I love the internet for the exact same reason. Um, also brought me a bit of joy, but uh, not as funny necessarily, but just in terms of the novelty of it is this video that I'm showing across the screen right now as well. Um, and for those who are listening after the fact, it, it, it reminds me of a, a video Barry mentioned not too long ago. I think that one was in Paris or something. Um, mm. And uh, this is a video that was shot in around, they say around because they don't know the exact date, around 1900. Um, it was a black and white video, uh, f- film, film uh, piece of footage, of course, um, that, that's kind of since gone through the, the technology we have at the moment. It's been brought to life, brought to, to color um, from, from its original black and white form. Um, and it, it, it's a film set in no other than, than London, uh, you know, in various locations of London, um, and I just think it's so cool, Barry. You've got these horses walking around with, the, with their various carriages, carrying people, carrying freight, carrying all sorts of stuff. I mean, if you've ever been to London, you've, you've seen the, the mews uh, that kind of jot off along different streets and you can kind of still see the cobbles. Uh, you can still see the, the horse stables almost, uh, which people have now turned into all sorts of other, you know, living um, quarters or whatever you want to call it. Um, not not just that, Barry, but you see these guys walking around with their top hats. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's it's a fascinating kind of look back in time. And when I was in school, I would never have appreciated this. Um, but, you know, now being in London, being able to see this sort of footage of how life was, uh, you know, 100 years ago or so, I find it fascinating. Chad, my main takeaway from this was how well people dressed. Like you said, the top hats, the suits, the coat and tails. Everyone was looking absolutely sharp all of the time. Not like today when most of us are in sweatpants and a hoodie. Like it's it's very, very different today. Um, And so it really is a wonderful video to see, like you say. And it's almost like a reminder that this actually was how life used to be. Mm. Sometimes we can watch watch a a TV series that is set in this era. We kind of forget that this is actually what it used to be like, right? Used to be able to... You jump on a horse and cart and kind of go around town and you're wearing your top hats and there's people riding their horse to work, I'm assuming, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. Um, yeah. And what's, what's really cool is that this technology of being able to bring color and bring kind of remastering and the sort of stuff to really old footage can really be a great help for us in trying to tell history to people, right? If you were if you were in school and you got to see this as opposed to those grainy, grainy videos and photos, yeah. it yeah. brings it to life in a way that just yeah. doesn't happen with, with the old stuff. Um, and so, yeah, Chad, thank you for bringing this up. This is really cool. <laughs> if you're only listening to this podcast, please go and check this out. It really is a cool little video um, to show you what life was like in London back in the, in the early 1900s. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And, and you know, not just watching this video, Barry, but it, it also, obviously, after Facebook saw me spending some time on this because I saw this video on Facebook, <laughs> uh, I got thrown into the rabbit hole. Um, there's a, oh, there's yes. a wonderful page on Facebook, uh, which is called Old London Photographs. And uh, 
I got cast into this weird rabbit hole, Barry, uh, looking at all sorts of old school photos of London um, in this group and loads of passionate members who uh, obviously have photos from their archives, uh, a lot of people from from these sort of older generation. Um, but it's this wonderful niche kind of black hole that you kind of get cast along into. Uh, and, and I loved it. I, I must be honest, I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's one of the few moments, Chad, when the social media algorithm actually gives you something of yeah. joy, right? And actually gives you something that you wouldn't have found otherwise. I think there's a lot of nostalgia in that. And especially if it's the place that you live or the place that you're from, it really means a hell of a lot to be able to see where yeah. it's come from. All of us carry around these stories about our origins and where we come from and our cultural and all that sort of thing. And to see that in, in vivid technicolor or even just not even color, but even just like a vivid picture of a place that you know very well, it's really, really cool. Um, and so, yeah, Chad's putting this up on the screen, and right? it looks really cool. And, and London is one of those cities; it's very aesthetic as is, right? London is yeah. a beautiful, beautiful city, and and it's with with so much history to it. Uh, and so that's really cool. That's epic. Yeah, really epic. Uh, recommend if you if this sounds interesting to you, uh, definitely go and check it out on Facebook. Like I said, uh, the group is called Old London Photographs. Uh, there's all sorts of rules and stuff you need to sign up to before, as, as in any group, I guess, uh, on Facebook before you kind of actually get in and, and on a, are able to participate but I think it's I think they gotta it's check you're not a fake Josh Chad they gotta check you're not a fake Josh <laughs> exactly there's only one real deal uh, at there's the end only of the one day Josh. isn't there <laughs> <laughs> well Barry let's then move on to our next segment looking ahead So, Chad, I came across an idea that isn't mine, but I kind of want to okay. claim it because I feel like I thought about it about a year ago and okay. I saw someone articulate it. And it was one of those things where you see someone say something, and you're like, oh, that's what I was thinking. Like that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to take partial credits uh, with, a, with a pinch of salt. Um, but the idea is that we've we chat about Netflix, about how they're this ginormous content platform and they're well known for their documentaries, for their um, – movies and for their TV shows, of course. But they have this amazing audience now. They've got these millions and millions of loyal fans. I wonder why they don't get into education. And maybe that is part of their, 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 their plan going forward is to bring some more educational content onto the platform. We've chatted a bit about how series like The Crown are able to really reanimate history in a way that makes it super engaging and super compelling. Yeah. And what if you could bring that sort of production value, that sort of... Um, budgets to something that's actually like non-fiction and, and, and is educational in some way. Uh, I, I don't know if you know the, 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 the platform Masterclass. It's this very, yes. very highly produced kind of um, platform where they bring the best and the best. So you get Serena yeah. Williams teaching you tennis or you get Martin Scorsese teaching you directing or all of these amazing people at the top of their game giving like a real class um, on yep. what they're doing. And it's very well produced. It's, it's, it's a quite expensive as a platform. Yep. I wonder if Netflix doesn't buy them at some stage and pulls that content onto Netflix itself um, because I think that could be an amazing platform for them to to get new content in front of people who normally wouldn't watch it but yep. also to capitalize on this idea of this education being part of like, education slash entertainment. It doesn't have to be one or, one or the other. It can be both. Um, and so I wanted to hear your thoughts on that if you think that's potentially somewhere Netflix could go in the future. I love this idea because I love the idea of Masterclass and I have found myself on this page so many times, Barry. <laughs> so close to entering my card details, so close to hitting order. 
But the only thing here, and I think the I think the struggle here, Barry, is is the price point that Masterclass are currently charging. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting though because you you kind of do it in an annual plan. Um, they, they they've got this promotion as you can see at the bottom of my screen: two annual memberships for 170 pounds. Um, so you know, it I guess it would kind of work its way out to you know, I don't know maybe one and a half Netflix subscriptions. Uh, this as a standalone you know, by itself. Um, I definitely think if, if you could get, you know, get it in front of a lot more people, potentially you could, you could, you could drop that price. And I, I think you'd have a lot of appetite. Um, I mean, a lot of our idols are, are sitting out here teaching you their craft. I mean, we've got just in front of the screen right now, as, as I'm going, you've got Dead Mouse, you've got Carlos Santana, um, Armin van Buren, obviously this is all on the on the music side, but then when you move into acting, you've got Steve Martin, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Usher's talking dancing and, uh, well, performance, uh, Christina Aguilera's teaching you singing. You really do have the cream of the crop. Uh, and and for someone who me, like me who really appreciates production value, Masterclass is your, is your place to go. Um, like I said, I've been so close to to hitting that get started button, and I have hit it one, once or twice. Um, you know, toyed, toyed with the idea of, of kind of uh, you know sharing a subscription with a friend because there is this two annual memberships option. Um, but it's just it's just at that price point, Barry. That you know, I, I really don't think this is uh, kind of mass appeal because of the, the the price point that it's at. But it's a fascinating idea if if Netflix could come in there um, and uh, you know kind of have this extra super highly produced content that is valuable and I guess takes away that that feeling of binging that feeling of Netflix uh, took away a whole lot of time from me uh, and you know it would change what Netflix the, the whole idea of Netflix uh, the, the connotations well what did you do this weekend I spent my weekend watching Netflix I watched a really interesting class on photography that Annie, Annie Leibovitz took um, and I think that would I think that would be huge for the platform. I, I really do think uh, I, I really do think it, it it would be good. I mean, even if they introduced an extra plan uh, that you know was was maybe incrementally more, but but not as much as these two subscriptions would be together. I think it's a great idea. Uh, out of all of these, whose class are you most keen on taking? I mean, we've got Malcolm Gladwell is here as, as well on, on writing. <laughs> Chad, my favorite, and I'm, I'm in the same position as you. I've nearly clicked uh, order on multiple <laughs> occasions. Is yeah. Aaron Sorkin, who is my favorite screenwriter okay. in the whole world. Uh, I absolutely love his stuff, and he's got a, write, a screenwriting class on there. And so I would have loved to take his class. But like you say, the cost is just, it just it's crazy. It really is crazy. I, I've turned to a friend of mine who actually paid for it, and he was giving me kind of his honest feedback. Okay. And he was saying that, it is really valuable. Like it's really cool to see these guys chat about like what really matters to them and how they how they go about what they do. But he didn't think the value was there in a sense, yeah. unless you are yeah. unless you're consuming multiple of these. But for like someone like me, if I'm if I'm if I'm just trying to get the Aaron Sorkin one, I can't just rent that one. I have to get yeah. the annual yeah. subscription and kind of go with it from there. And the reason I think this works for Netflix is because they they're already halfway there. At any point in time, you go to kind of the top ten of Netflix on on your on your app. A lot of times, it is kind of a sem a semi document documentary uh, type type thing on there, whether it's mm. about um, doping in the Olympics or whatever is the kind of the hot topic at the moment. Um, there there are kind of documentary style things that are on Netflix in a way that that feels natural and feels native to the platform, and. I can imagine them doing this. And Masterclass makes sense because it's very highly produced and it's a, it's a direct fit to Netflix because of the way it's all 
put together. But I could also see them buying like an actual online course company. So a Coursera yeah. or Udacity yeah. or one of these guys and actually sitting and, and watching these courses, these video lectures on whatever topic on Netflix as well. And so I think it's an interesting idea. I think that it's a it's a place where they could really kind of nail down their their status as the home for content in a way. And they could they could they could compete with YouTube in this in this sense. Like YouTube is very educational. There's lots of amazing yep, educational definitely. stuff on YouTube, and that's where a lot of us go to for to watch lectures and to interviews and these sorts of things. And so that's where I think Netflix could compete with YouTube. If they, if they kind of took the higher end of the market, the well-produced, well-published, like niche, um, very specific educational pieces of content, I think they'd do incredibly well. And it really would justify that Netflix price. Even if they raise the yep. Netflix price, it really yep. would justify that monthly subscription if, like you say, instead of sitting and watching the 27th episode of Friends, you could <laughs> actually sit and do something more productive. That would be really cool. And so I, for one, hope that that's something we see in the future, Chad. Let's hope. Uh, you know, we, we, there certainly is appetite for this kind of content. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, just, just the fact that both of us have been so close but, you know, didn't quite get that far um, just shows you. I mean, I've tried Skillshare as well. Um, e even that, which is a, a lower price point, I, I still didn't feel like the value was there um, because of the production value. You know, that's kind of self-produced stuff, whereas masterclass you know masterclass at the skill level uh, skill shape level or price feels feels more right to me um but you know i i guess maybe i'm maybe i'm trying to trying to be a bit too cheap here uh it, it would be <laughs> great and, and we can only g we can only dream right um so let's hope somebody at netflix is listening to this episode you never know you never <laughs> know we, we might see that roll out at some point in the future shall we move on then barry let's move on chad Develop and grow. Right, so Chad, on, on develop and grow this week, I, I want to bring something to you and hear your thoughts because I, 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 it's one of those things that I've been struggling with in the last little bit. And uh, that is last week at hockey practice. I was in training. It was a cold, cold Joburg night. One of those nights where just like that dry, that coldness. And I, I was standing at the back of the drill waiting for my turn and everything was going well. And I got to the front and I sprinted forward to collect the ball as I needed to and changed direction and felt my entire hamstring go, Chad. Oh. It was just that terrible moments where you oh. just feel like... And I thought I had torn it at the time. It was very, very painful. I kind of lay on the ground, writhing in pain, and kind of hobbled off to the side, hobbled to my car, and managed to somehow drive home and got back home in one piece. But it's 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 a hamstring problem that I've has been recurring for me for the last four or five years now. Um, I've known my whole sporting career, and my hamstring has always been my problem. And I <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's how I felt, Chad. Um, and so yeah, it's been something I've been I've I've really struggled with the last couple of years, and it's every time I, I pull it and then I kind of recover and I think I've got it back to where it should be, and I just think they they're weak and I, I probably don't stretch them enough and, and I don't take enough good enough care of them. But the point I wanted to bring up is that this is a physical injury. This is very much a physical thing, right? And and so I feel the pain in my hamstring. I take the painkillers. I, I ice it, and eventually get to a point where you kind of get back to recovery. But what I find most interesting about this injury is the impact it has on the rest of my life, yeah. right? So, so theoretically, hamstring injury, like it's 
you shouldn't it shouldn't affect your work it shouldn't affect your relationships yeah. because it's it's very isolated to you to your body but what i found is that it's the absolute opposite and that these injuries these physical injuries are actually more psychological than we realize it had a huge impact on my mood. Mm -hmm. For the next couple of days after that injury, I felt really down. I felt really kind of, it was almost like my ego had been hurt at the same time as my hamstring because yeah. all of a sudden I couldn't put my socks on. I couldn't bend in the way I wanted to. I couldn't obviously walk or run or anything. I couldn't drive anywhere. Um, and so what I wanted to talk about is the psychological impact of these injuries and this, this idea of this mind-body connection that your body is not separate to your mind. Like No matter how much you like to think it is, an injury like that has an impact on every other facet of your life. I would love to hear your thoughts on that, Chad. I'm not surprised, dude. I, I, I can I can see why why you'd be bummed. I mean, we we, we were talking about uh, that was one of the other reasons why we, we couldn't record the podcast is that Barry couldn't get in his car, um, you know, to to drive where he needed to drive. And and I understand I understand that that lack of independence, um, you know, is, is so frustrating, uh, especially when it's you know it's your own body. You almost feel like you've been let down a little bit, and you start to kind of question the strength of of the rest of your body that's that's currently working all fine. Um, but you know, you, you kind of wonder whether it's going to carry you uh, a whole lot further. But but the thing is, Barry, uh, you know, a couple of weeks and the, the necessary time that it, it needs to heal, uh, and you know, you, you might not be sprinting on a on a hockey field, but uh, you know, your body's kind of repaired itself, and I think I think that's the that's the great sort of silver lining to, to look for here. Um, but 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 it is interesting, and I I think the I think the ego thing is is also you know, a really important one because we, we, we do, we do like to uh, think of ourselves as, as really healthy, you know, super fit. Uh, even though we, we don't, you know, we don't do all the training. We don't, like you say, we don't <laughs> do the necessary uh, stretching, any of that kind of stuff. We always, we always like to portray ourselves as that. Uh, and, and the first time that kind of assumption uh, or that assertion, I guess, gets, uh, gets challenged by something like this, it's only natural for us to be really let down by it um and you know just a f just a few activities that you can't participate in a few places you can't get to a few um you know nights of not sleeping very well because you can't find a comfortable position uh and it's understandable that you're you, you're going to be at that level of, of bum that you were so uh you know i think it's an interesting one i also had a, a i don't think it was as serious of an injury barry but uh playing tag rugby the other week um, I, I hurt the back of my my thumb here. The guy kind of ran into me, and it, uh, you know, it 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 pulled back, and it and it was not great. My whole thumb went like purple, um, and also, like you say, the the intricacies of of just at the end, the silly little things that you get embarrassed by. So, like right at the end of the tag rugby practice, when I need to put my shoes on, and I can't do my laces, you know, that kind of that kind of feeling, like you said, it hits the ego straight away and, you, and you've got people who are, are now waiting for you because you're taking long to put your laces on and you can't do it. it it's, it's kind of a vicious cycle. Um, and anyway, I, I'm rambling now, but, uh, but I get you. I, I felt the same in, in the last couple of weeks and, and it's not, not a great place to be. Yeah, I think another important point is what you alluded to is is age, Chad. Like in mm. my mind, I still see myself as that twenty-one-year-old who didn't have to stretch, right? Who was yeah. fast and fit and strong because I was training seven times a week when I was at varsity. Um, in in those days, I was playing hockey for Vits, and we had we had two gym sessions in early morning. We had two night practice sessions. We were playing a game. I was in the best shape of my life, right? And right now, it's a very different life stage. Like I'm trying mm. to run a business, and we're much older. We're not as we don't recover as quickly as we used to. Mm. Um, 
Um, and I think mm. that that's where the ego comes in, is that I'm frustrated that my body is not responding in the way that I remembered it did. Yeah. Um, but that's just how things go over time. And you have to learn to kind of transition into these new phases. I have to learn to look after my hamstring. I can't just ignore I can't just ignore it like I used to be able to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so that, that that is that is one thing that is it's it's a tough pull to swallow, Chad, is when you're getting mm. to the, the wrong side of your twenties, things start to <laughs> things start to take a bit longer to recover and you're not as sharp as you used to be. But I think it's a good point that uh, it's trying to understand the the beauty of your body repairing itself and trying to yeah. kind of be in that and actually like celebrate that 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 ability to to get back to where it should be. It's it's a it's a miracle in a sense. It yeah, really is yeah, a definitely. an incredible thing to see, um, and and it's a reminder just to kind of get those habits right. Like the biggest thing for me is that I, I now need to go, I need to get a stretching routine going. I need to be taking care of it. I need to go and see a biokinetic and see if I can strengthen it in some way to try and not happen, have, have, have it happen again in the future. Um, all those bits and pieces, if this is a trigger to improve your life, then hopefully that's a good thing. Um, and, and those few days of, of being miserable and kind of wallowing in self-pity because you can't put your own socks mm. on or you can't drive to, to the shops or whatever the story is, um, that's a very small price to pay for that longer-term gratitude in a sense. And it also reminds you that, like, what's that saying, Chad, is that when you're healthy, you take your health for granted. But when you get Definitely. a runny nose Definitely. and all of a sudden the only thing you want is you want that yep. runny nose to be gone. Yep. And it's it's only in the moments of when your body's not working in the way it is that it reminds you of how well it normally works and how we just take it completely for granted. And so that's something I'm trying to do is realize that all those years when my hamstring was fine, I, 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 I took it for granted, right? Yep. Because yep. everything worked as it should. Um, and so I really should be more grateful for the fact that my body does still work pretty well, uh, all things considered. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if it's the exact thing you're thinking about, but um, like you, you don't know what you've got until it's gone kind of thing. I think it, I think it kind yeah. of echoes that. And uh, I mean, you're so right. Like, you know, even even just you, you, you told me about how frustrated you were about, um, you know, going for a run and you wanted to go for a longer run the other day. Um, and, you know, getting quite frustrated about not being able to run the sort of distances you, you were before. Uh, and so it is a reminder that when you are at that level of f fitness, just think about everyone else. Like, kind of do it for those who can't. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and just, just, you know, appreciate it, I, I guess. Be grateful for it. I, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's great. On your point about the age, I know, we, I know we're kind of running over a bit, Barry, but I think it is an important thing. Um, people think we might be a little bit dramatic um, because we are still, you know, like a younger sort of, yeah, like you say, late 20s, uh, 29, around there. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we're not quite 30 yet. And a lot of people will still say, well, that's still really young. You guys are still spring, spring chickens. Um, but I feel it. I, I honestly feel, I feel the age a little <laughs> bit. I, I, I get tired a lot more often. I, um, you know, I feel that stiffness. It doesn't go away as, as quickly as it does. If I have a drink the night before, uh, you know, that stays in your system just that little bit longer. I definitely feel it. I definitely feel like I'm 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 becoming an old man in a sense, and uh, I don't know if it's a quarter life crisis or something, but uh, I'm feeling it. My my hip is clicking when when I stand up from from a, from a long session at work. Uh, yeah, getting old, dude. 
I can certainly relate to that, Chad. And, and like you say, it feels a bit, I feel a bit guilty complaining about it because like you say, you'll speak to a 40-year-old or 50-year-old or 60-year-old and they'll say, you don't know, you don't even know. <laughs> and, they, and, and they look at us and they laugh because they've got the experience. But we, all we know is our 20s. And so obviously yep. it's going to feel like weird to us going through this, 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 these changes. And I'm sure when we're 40, Chad, we'll look back on our 29-year-old body and <laughs> be like, I'd love to be that 29-year-old body, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's one of those things where it feels weird to complain about because we are we are still young and we we do still have a lot ahead of us um but what what i'm realizing is that prioritizing my health mm. um and and mobility and agility and strength and all that stuff is way more important than i ever Definitely. realized like intellectually yep. i know it but if you were to look at my calendar if you look at the amount of time i'm spending on my health it's minimal it's absolutely mm. minimal um, and that's something I need to change. Um, I, I've been I've been struggling a little bit with the fact that I've been working my butt off for the last couple yep. of months and have basically no time to look after myself. And that self care, that 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 taking care of yourself when it comes to diet and exercise and just getting out in the fresh air and stretching and all these these things, they seem small. And by the time you have get the injury, it's too late then. In yeah. a sense, like it's too late to then decide, okay, I'm going to turn my life around. You actually have to be doing it consistently over time. Um, and you're not going to realize the benefit it's having because it's preventing something in a sense. It's very different to going to the gym and, and, and lifting weights because you want to get bigger biceps. Like you can see the progress there, which makes it easier to do. Yeah. Yeah. But something like stretching or something like looking after your, your hip, whatever the story is, you can't see the progress in a sense. Mm. And so it's harder to keep yourself on the straight and narrow. And you almost have to make it a part of your, your weekly routine. And that's what I need to try and do going forward. Great idea. Need to do the exact same thing. Uh, guilty on all counts uh, <laughs> on the side. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess, keep working at it. That's, that's the whole point of this uh, section of the podcast. It's develop and grow. Uh, we're constantly growing, constantly learning, constantly developing uh, in a sense. The last thing I wanted to talk about today, Barry, as I said, I know we, we're already a little bit over, but I, I saw this little thing on uh, Instagram today. And, uh, you know, for all the hours you spend on it uh, in a day, sometimes there's an idea or a great uh, kind of graphic that, that swings past you that really makes you think. And I think, I think it's really so effective. So I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Um, and it's, it's something that a page by the name of anxiety underscore well-being posted and that is, don't let one setback color your day. Uh, and it's this really effective kind of illustri illustration where you've got this shade of yellow, which is you in the morning kind of waking up feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, you, 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 you're fresh, you're, you're in, you've got energy, everything's going well. And then there's a stark kind of red, red line, something bad happens. Uh, and, it's all, and it's far too easy to then the rest of your day have a kind of, it's a lighter shade of red, but it's it's a still a sh it's a still a shade of red, um, and uh, yeah, kind of letting one this one setback color the rest of your day, set the tone for the rest of the day, set your mindset for the rest of the day. It's something that's so easy to do. Um, you know, I was speaking to somebody the other day who had a, a really bad incident happen, um, and and you know it was kind of just dwelling on it, like not getting past it. The rest of the day is going to be bad, like it's bound to be bad because this one thing happened. Uh, and the alternative that this graphic presents uh, is pause and feel it and then keep going. Uh, and what you instead have is you have your yellow on the left, you've got your stark red line, and then slowly you've got a gradient fading from that red all the way back slowly, slowly to your yellow. 
Um, and, you know, I, I think that's just that, that constant reminder that we, we keep talking about, Barry, and that is that you, you get to choose your mindset, you get to choose your perspective and, and your outlook. Um, and, you know, being able to stop and, and feel, which I think a lot of people don't want to do, um, be annoyed, like have a cry, um, scream at that person you need to scream at, let it out, like feel it, and then try and kind of reframe yourself uh, and, and carry on with your day. What do you think? I think it's really cool, Chad. It's a really cool graphic, and I, I'm definitely going to go and save this after you've now brought yeah. it up. I need to go and keep this somewhere and maybe print it out or whatever. It's a beautiful illustration of this idea. And I don't I don't know what it says about me, Chad, but two different Frozen songs came to me when I saw this graphic. Okay. The first one being <laughs> Let It Go, this idea of, of, of being able to let something go straight after it happens and, and try and move forward as best you can. And the second one is one we chatted about way back in the day, one of the first few episodes, is Do the Next Right thing mm. it's this idea of like looking forward and not spending your life worrying about what happened in the past not looking in the rearview mirror just focusing what can you do in the, in this moment what is the next right decision you can make and i think that's what this this comes down to is that we're going to have these speed bumps we're going to have those things that happen to you that really kind of can disrupt your entire day and even longer it can be months years even yeah. of, of of these things affecting how you go about your life um, and it's important to try and realize that those things are fleeting and and we only fuel them by continuing to ruminate on them continuing to think about them continuing to tell ourselves those stories whereas in effect it happened behind us and yeah. we can choose to tell the different stories story moving forward we can choose to just focus on the next decision the next step in front of us and not worry about what happened in the past it's obviously much easier said than done i think we all hold grudges we all are resentful about certain things we all kind yeah. of we hold these things as as if they're personal attacks on us in a lot of cases um, and i think with wisdom and with time you can get better at trying to just don't worry about what happened in the past. What's done is done. And if you can just keep moving forward and, and, and make the most of what's to come, that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. Uh, so right. Uh, you know, you've always got that choice. And I guess that's, that's the key idea of this, um, of this graphic. Well, Barry, that brings us uh, to the end of another episode that it's taken quite a long time for us to get to. Um, but I don't think we were as rusty as we thought, really enough. It's kind of like riding a bicycle <laughs> once we're here, once we're in the seat, once we've got the microphones in front of us, uh, both of which now belong to the same family, which I'm, I'm quite excited about, the Shure family. Um, yeah, once we're on that bicycle, it seems to kind of be free-flowing and smooth and, and you know all back to normal. So really glad we got to have this hour and a half uh, and finally kind of lay something down. Indeed, Chad. It was a lot of fun and I, I really enjoyed it. I think we, we covered a lot of ground today, a lot of good stuff, and I hope that you found something of value. If you made it this far, you're a champion, and I hope there's something in this podcast that's made you think a little bit differently or made you kind of yeah. uh, ruminate on some things, um, whether it's just the tech or whether it's just more deeper stuff in the per in the develop and grow section. Uh, I, I, I certainly find that this stuff helps me to talk through some of my ideas, and so sometimes yeah. we want, sometimes we, we waffle, sometimes we mumble <laughs> through our stuff, but hopefully there's some golden nuggets you can take and apply to your own life exactly we hope there's loads of those uh, that you can kind of take with you wherever you go that's the point uh, all of those little golden nuggets uh, if you want to just get a little bit more from us do go and check out our social media pages uh, we are of course on twitter at across underscore podcast we're on instagram at across the pondcast we're on facebook 
Across the Pond podcast. And there's one more, Barry. We're on Twitch now too. Um, <laughs> and hopefully this live stream is working to Twitch. Um, you know, it should be. Uh, but we are there at ATP podcast. So, uh, yeah, lots of platforms. All for, for, for Barry to, to have a lot of good fun with uh, in his free time, of which there's not a lot of. Um, but, uh, and no, yeah, no TikTok all. just yet, Chad. We, we're not on TikTok just yet. I know our fans are clamoring for it. But be patient, be patient. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there eventually. Uh, but until then, that's everything for today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and as always, we'll see you again next week. Pond, pond across the pond.